now it's like uh, you're a witness. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I should be like blacked out. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, you prefer Brennan? I cash is what I've been going cash. with just because. Dude, I don't know what it is about my name, but I get like Brandon or Brendan. Mm-hmm. I started. Getting, I get Jason a lot. I started getting Byron and Britton mm-hmm. and all. Oh, because now because the rules are out the window. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was like, you know what, Cash, it's easy yeah. to remember. It's just yeah. So, but I, I'll answer to either. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're here at. Uh, the recording studio at City Music on Watson. Uh, Jacob V. Weekly talking about the two big shows we're doing next week at the Heavy Anchor. Friday night, Jacob V. and the Yes Men with the Saturday Brothers. And Saturday night, the big return of Youth and Canvas with my new band, Blinded by Stereo. Cash, tell me about the journey. So you're back in St. Louis. Correct. Now you're living over, I'm not going to dox you on, <laughs> on the thing, but you're living over in a neighborhood. I was a Lyft driver a few summers ago. Mm-hmm. And right there in that neighborhood, I dropped off a um, a young gentleman with a bum hip who I think was just going over there to score heroin. Sure. You're right by the Patricia's. I might have seen that guy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 And uh, lovely intersection. Oh, you it's... know, that location has been a intimacy retail shop for a long time. Has it? Yeah, even before Patricia's was a thing. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, you don't ever go to that KFC, do you? I haven't. That's I actually. Not, so that's funny story. Bef- it's worth the trip to get be- to a better one. Before I moved to Austin about four years ago, I actually lived in the same neighborhood. Oh, okay. And whatever it was, I was like, "Let's go back." Like, yeah. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I'm, you know, kind of just don't bother people. Yeah. They don't bother you. You can get good rent over there too, and it's yeah. you know, it's it's uh, it's right at the the tip of that triangle of this you know the city where you kind of blossom out into the other. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so. I'm familiar with Youth and Canvas as a as a two piece sort of bluesy rock kind right. of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, how would, how do you usually describe that to uh, to people that like if you're booking a tour, for example? Yeah, it's I mean that's that's pretty much it. It's we're a two piece. A lot of a lot of my favorite bands and inspiration have come from bands like the White Stripes or the yeah. Black Keys, Death right. from Above. Um, oh, I saw them once. They are so loud. I've seen them about ten or fifteen times, yeah. and it's just incredible. And just one of the main appeals. I've is seen like, all those bands. I should say, but yeah, I, definitely. Death from Above is probably the They're more so abstract. Um, yeah, and uh, really good. But it, it, it always caught my attention because some of these bands I didn't even know they were two piece bands until I you know researched them further or saw them in concert, and I was like, this is two. When people. Black Keys first came out, I thought it was five old black dudes. Yeah, right. right. You know what I mean? mean I, and it was two white kids. Right. From- and and granted, some of these bands use you know. The, the studio, stuff, but yeah. still, like they're doing it, and and, and that's a fun part of the Black Keys show is they'll they have extra guitar players and a keyboards and stuff now, right? But they'll Touring do a band. piece, yeah, yeah. They'll do a piece of the set as just the two of right. them, right? They'll do a handful of songs or whatever that way, and it's still exactly. so much fun, yeah. Well, and there's this band I got really big into based out of Austin. They're called Black Pistol Fire, and they're one of the best bands I've ever seen live. Super high energy, really just kind of stomping gritty. Yeah, you know, rock set, but it's just two guys, and the lead singer plays out of three separate amps. Yeah, and when I first saw that, I was like, like that's how you can make this possible is right. get a full sound, a nice big sound, and I mean the drummer's just super high energy. He plays yeah. with marching sticks. Yeah, because he just the big thick ones. Yeah, yeah, because he just beats the hell out of the set. But like, yeah. It, it, it's possible to have a really high energy, really like musically entertaining show with just two people. Absolutely. And once I started kind of seeing all that, like like I said, I've always been big into the White Stripes, just the sound, the blues, and kind of mm. like a garage rocky style. Mm. It was such a great alternative because you and me are similar enough in age that um, when that was sort of happening, the other thing that was happening which sounded totally different. Like the other kind of music that was coming out at that time was uh, much more processed. It was mostly drums and vocals and white noise in the middle. Right. So right. when you're learning to play guitar, you can't. It's hard to listen to Fallout Boy and pick out the guitar lines unless yeah. it's a lead or right. something, or unless it's a riff because typically it's just the the chords underneath the right. and it's made to sound good on radio. And a lot of those bands at that time didn't sound good live. Right. And they're and then when you go to those mixes, it kind of feels that way. So I remember I was a huge White Stripes fan. Oh yeah. I saw them in 2005 at the Fox when I was like 15. And uh, and that was a big foundation for for me too. I did my thing as a two piece for a long time. Mm-hmm. Me and Chris, who I started my first band with, he's still playing with me. He'll be playing with me next uh, <laughs> Friday at the Heavy Anchor. Shameless plug. And um, and we have a bass player now, so I can mm-hmm. take s- solos and stuff. But that's a big part of that thing too. Is I did a record with my friend uh, Lucius, who lives in Maryland right now. But 
we were a two piece for that same reason that you know you use the octave thing to your advantage yeah. and try to just fill that space yeah. and keep the if you can keep the drums busy enough. Well, and that was one of my things too. Like I I, I really like catchy riffs. Yeah, like chords are fine. That's great. Yeah, there's a finite number of chords, so to speak. Yeah, and you know. Obviously, there's like standards and stuff like that. That just never did it for me. Mm-hmm. But what kind of caught my interest with the White Stripes was you listen to half of their songs from the early albums, and it's like this is all just basic standard blues. Yeah. But you don't know that unless you're listening for and it. And it makes it he, so attainable. Like yeah. Before your ears really developed, like now we can appreciate more intricate stuff. Yeah. But when you're like first learning how to play guitar and you can't really decipher all the different noises anyway, right. having just, you could pick out the guitar part and the drums are super simple to follow along yeah. with and you could focus on the the actual core of the, right. the thing. Right. Well, and like, so like Ball and Biscuit was one of the first mm-hmm. songs I heard by White Stripes where, where I listened to it and I was like, this is just... Basic that's twelve straight, bar blues. That's, that's all it is. Bars. Yeah, but I'm like, he kills it. Like, mm. you don't think about that for a second when you're listening to the song. Like, I'm not like, oh, this and is there's just a nice, boring. Un, there's a nice underdub of the um, of a rhythm guitar over the solo part. Yeah, you know, right. and would have just enough to to keep the space. But they pull it off live too. Oh I yeah, mean, yeah. With the, even when it's just the drums and the guitar solo, it's it's a right. lot of it's a lot of fun. And yeah, so it's so captivating, <laughs> but. Um, and me and Joe were just talking about this. Joe is in the booth, ladies and gentlemen, and um, about how you get so caught up in the performance and how something sounds, but maybe you don't necessarily uh, make the composition as deep or as innovative as it right. could be. But in that case, it was like, well, let's just do a 12-bar thing. Right. They probably made, I think that one they made up in the studio while mm-hmm. they were doing that record. And but it had a, a new life to it in a way that was like, right. how do you do that? And and one of my things too when I'm like writing song, well, it used to be like this, but I've kind of tra- tried to train myself out of it. Was like, obviously, when you write a song and you put something together and you know how it's structured, you get that kind of um, that thought process of well, maybe it's too easy, maybe it's not complex enough, maybe it's because you know how it's written and you know it just seems kind of boring and dull. But when I hear songs like that, and I'm like, this is just the basic blue, like, even as a musician who could dissect the song, yeah. I'm still captivated. Yeah. So it tells me, like, that is possible if you just, if you have the right energy, and it's like, you can write whatever you want. It's more about the delivery. Exactly. Yeah. Which, and that, is, that one specifically has a swag to it that, yeah. I don't think we had that word at the time, but um, <laughs> this is like 20 years ago that record yeah. came out. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but that's the thing. It had like kind of a swag to it that was new and just not as high stress as right. the other stuff that was on at the time. Yeah. Sort of like the Strokes had that similar thing. They weren't nearly as blues influenced. Right. But at that same time, and a lot of the vocals are more relaxed and sort of a grimier energy yeah. than like the pop punk thing that was going on at the same right. time. Yeah, right, alongside right. that was <laughs> just a totally different. It's like a totally different category of right. music. It's kind of weird to even compare the two. I'm just thinking chronologically. Yeah. You know. Well, and. Like I said before, like one of my other favorite bands with Death From Above. Yeah. And my my older sister actually really got me into them when their first album, and it was right... I got into their first album, and then they broke up. Yeah. And I was, like, devastated, because I was like, I'm never going to see these guys. Like, yeah. I was so heavily... Like, I was just enthralled, because yeah. it's a bassist and a drummer. Right. The drummer sings. Yeah. It's That's like, what, that it's was like, really what weird. is this band? But then the other like, guy's kind of the mastermind of the whole thing. Right, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's wild, but, like... It's it's little like nuances like that where it's like they make this work they write really good songs it's high energy it's really captivating and yeah. it's it's it also just presents how possible it is to do something you could be a one man but you know what I mean like yeah. it's just, well like um, St Vincent's doing that yeah where she does you know her two Kempers synced up with her MacBook in Ableton yeah and, and she has choreography and she's it's just her and her guitar yeah and the whole thing which it's is a, a style insane. I like her with a band too yeah but uh, and I I think even if you make I like when people like Justin Timberlake makes really electronic focused music. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, there's a lot of processing stuff that happens, but on tour he's got a big band because right, right. part of the fun, the novelty of if you're going to see live music, might as well go see it. Right. But um, when you're innovating and you're really trying to sell the composition, you can deliver all those things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean yourself as right. one person, especially now with things you could do with programming drums and how intelligent those can be. Right, and yeah, we've yeah. seen like the people with the loopers, uh-huh. you know, and that kind of style also. But yeah, trying to, it's almost easier to do it that way mm-hmm. than it is right. to do it with <laughs> just one other musician and do it all live. We'll see. And that was, that was another part of the appeal of doing a two piece. Cause I yeah. was like, you know, I have a rhythm, you know, drums and percussion. And then if I can do melodies and yeah. you know, the, the harmonies and sing, whatever, it made it really possible to make touring a lot easier. Yeah, also. I mean, the, the first drummer I had in Austin, it, he just had his kit, and it, we had my amps and a guitar and my pedal board, mm-hmm. and we could fit in a sedan. Yeah. And, you know, we both 
We both and you pri- would. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, we prioritize that. So like, he do you had- remember the Dodge Magnum? I don't. It was like the Charger up front. Oh yes, but it was I like do. a station wagon yes. in the back. And yes. in the commercial, he said, "Yeah, I got a guitar and an amp and some two by fours. Like he had a guitar yeah. and an amp in the car <laughs> right, right. to show you." I'm like, "How did? Are they making that for me?" Yeah, right. They didn't catch on because it's a it's a station wagon, right? But, um, that's what that reminded but me. But that of. I mean, that was yeah. basically it though. And it, he he had a job in a service industry, and I was doing you know just rideshare stuff. For that reason, like we yeah. could take off whenever we wanted, we could go on month long tours, we could, you know, drop of a hat, we would be ready to do a show. I made some really good friends in Austin, and I was like, hey, like, you guys want to play a show in a couple weeks? And the dude was like, there's five members in their band. He's like, well, I don't know if I can get off work. I haven't talked to my bassist in three weeks. I got to go, you're in the same, like, aren't you guys yeah. friends? Like, you're yeah. in a band together. Yeah. And it was like, you know, these really great bands I love playing with, but it was such a chore to get everyone together and sync up and schedules. And you're not and, as used to it because of the. No, and yeah, get, and get off one work. Guy. And, yeah. I, and my drummer and I lived together. So, like, I'd get an email. I'm like, hey, man, you want to you wanna play Hotel Vegas on the 13th? He's like, yeah, yeah let's do it. And yeah. I'm like, like, that was perfect because, like, that's what I wanted to do. How long were you in Austin? Four years. Four. And so, what prompted the move there? Uh, was it? I mean, was not it to, be in St. Louis? Yeah, just, just to try just, to do it somewhere try, else. Yeah, try something different. Um, I had heard things here and there about Austin. I've been there once, and I didn't know this beforehand. But like after I moved, I kind of realized how quickly Austin was growing. It was becoming this big, up and coming, trendy city. Um, a lot of tech companies were moving out there, um, and I didn't know any of that. And so I'm there, and I'm seeing. All so these that was people. happening even before the most recent mass exodus to Austin. Oh yeah, like okay. it's it's just been it's been happening that way anyway. Yeah, because Nashville's having a similar thing. Where Nashville, I, me and my wife were going to Nashville a lot because yeah. I had an aunt that would work down down there part of the month, so we would just stay with her and then go and do the Nashville thing. I right. ate like a bunch of chicken one week, and then like you know we'd go do the music thing. But uh, I noticed that their growth isn't supported yet by the infrastructure. That's exactly the especially because the commercial suburbs like um, are like Brent. Wood in Nashville yeah. are blossoming so much because you have all these young professionals that want to come there and they just want an alternative to the other metropolitan areas. Right. And Nashville has a lot to offer. It's got universities. It's got it's robust. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, it's not just a country music place. Right. On Austin, I'm sure is the same way. I haven't been um, not for any reason. I haven't not been on purpose. <laughs> but sorry. Right. Um, but the uh, but a similar thing, right? right. And so there's this um, young professional kind of scene. Uh, uh, seeping in all the time, yep. and it's kind of interrupting the identity of the place. Uh, yeah, it's well, and that was the cool thing. So when I did like ride sharing in Austin, mm-hmm. it was cool because I was picking up people who just moved there. I picked up people who lived there thirty years, and they were like, "This isn't even the same city." And I learned so much about it. And part of the thing was like thirty years ago, Austin was two hundred thousand people, yeah, and so they don't have a really efficient public transit. There's like one single train track that just goes north and south. You know, the buses aren't that efficient, and now it's the tenth largest city in the country. Yeah, it's like over a million people, and people have been saying, you know, the infrastructure just wasn't built for that. They didn't need it. It was yeah. a little horse and buggy town, you know, dirt roads with UT there, and like that was it. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, thirty years ago, it wasn't even on a map. It was Dallas and Houston and. That was it. So now it kind of blossomed. And Infowars. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So now it turned into this big like hub and this big tech hub, and a lot of companies are moving out there, and the prices are skyrocketing, and it's just that was a, that's how I could have held that rideshare job for so long was because so many people moved there, but no one could get rid of their cars because the public transit was non-existent. Yeah. So that was kind of like job security for me, but at the same time, it's like you're also keeping more cars on the road. Right. For the rideshare jobs. Right. And like you know, did the traffic get bad? Oh my god! Like because they're not used to it. N- yeah. Well, and like Highway 35 is the main. It goes for like all the way from Austin to Dallas, and that's just at times it's just like a four lane highway. And it's like there's just no support for that's it. That's just not how that's supposed it, to be. It was one of those things where it's like if if like when I first moved there, I got a house in South Austin and I was looking for jobs, didn't know much about the city. I applied at a place in North Austin and she said, Did you find a place to live yet? And I told her where it was and she told me, she said, Honestly, I probably won't even hire you based on that. Because if you're new here and you're not used to our traffic, yeah, you're gonna be late so often. Yeah. Like I'm gonna have to like fire you like she's like it's that bad she's like i highly recommend finding a place in eight near and, where and, you're and it was work. like a 20 minute drive i yeah. was like really like that you know but just in that? the morning commute it was that yeah. bad yeah and it was like if someone asked you to be somewhere at six o'clock make it 10 yeah. like i'm there's no way you're gonna get there in time yeah like it's just it's crazy and like the like i said like i was paying like 900 dollars for a single room in yeah a, in a three-bedroom house in a house so just the room just the yeah. room yeah 
because and, there's just not the property to to um, accommodate the growth. Yeah, and it was like I said. Well, and the other thing too, like obviously it had a, a history for being a music town. So sure. I was like, oh, that's got something going for it. And now it's just a lot of these. Um, so there's the there's uh, Red River Street, and that's like the cultural music district. And there's a ton of venues along Red River, and that's kind of where you go to see a lot of local live music. And everyone knows that. And there's some outdoor stages and stuff. And in the recent years, there's apartments and condos on Red River, and tenants had started complaining about, about the, the noise. noise. And they started they, imp- they started implementing noise ordinances on Red River at like 10 and 11 p.m. And we're like, this is That's the live music capital of the world. Right. You moved here because of that but appeal. Can you just do it quieter? Like, yeah. And we're like, it, it was can just... Can you just turn all three of your amps down? It was just turn the venue down. Can you just put... It, we put oven mitts on the front of it. Yeah, and it, it was kind of this weird like limbo of like concerts were ending early, no one could be outside, and yeah. and then on top of that, so now that the the real estate's starting to pop up and it's these expensive condos, now venues are closing, they're getting bought up, and they're building condominiums yeah. there. Well, because and, and the rent's gonna run up. So if you own a venue, it's insane. but you don't own a if you own a venue but you don't own a building, the right. building, you know what I mean? Yep. It's gonna be really easy to get you. It's like, well listen, we could just put a Starbucks here. And yeah. they can and they oh, can yeah. pay nine grand a month in rent. It's well and then you know some of the a lot of people that are, you know, true Austinites were like, well they're just selling our venues. They don't care about this, that and the other. And like a lot of people were saying, you can own property here and not be from here. It could be some dude in LA that gets an offer for three times what he paid and you know, not even care that it's historically significant. He's like, yeah. yes, like it's business. That's what it is. Yeah. And so that was one of the other problems too. Is a lot of the these people own properties that weren't, you know, true Austinites that were just in it for the business. And it's like you can't blame them. Like that's just what's going to happen. Right. And we started noticing that pretty rapid. Even in the four years I was there, like. I didn't want to be one of those people that was like, oh, you don't know what it was like two whole years ago when I got people that have been there, you know, for 30 years. But it happened that fast. And it was just wild. Like, you could see it in real time, just how quickly it was growing. And that was kind of one of the factors where, you know, at the time I was living month to month. And I was like, I got to I can't. I was working like 50, 60 hours a week just to survive. Yeah, and renting a single room. It it was nuts. Yeah. It, it, It was so, so yeah. It, it, I mean, it it was nice. I I get it. Like I get the appeal now from mm-hmm. an outs. Like I see what attracts people there. But after having lived there and live, it's different. Once you know these people visit once, they get stars in their eyes and they want to move there. But mm-hmm. once you actually live in it, have to find a place to rent, get a job, commute. And that was the thing with Nashville. With it's us a whole is thing. We went like three times and saw the pattern growing of yeah. the growth and the infrastructure problem. And just you walk into a Seven Eleven and there's a line all yeah. the way down the aisle. Yeah. Any time of day, just because we need more Seven Elevens, right. or something. You yep. know what I mean? And so I'm um, just thinking like, okay, so if this keeps up, do I really want to live here? Do I really want to? Like, I got stuck trying to pick up pizza from a cool place but like in the arena traffic was the arena yeah. was letting out and yeah. so i was just like i had just a horde of suburban tennesseans <laughs> crawling over my car well and luckily austin doesn't have any pro sports teams i couldn't even imagine what it would be like uh, they have ut football which yeah. is a religion there Ooh, sure but you know I, I was like i couldn't even imagine but they don't like, if they had like an nfl team yeah, or an they're getting a soccer team, team but yeah. um but yeah, it was just. Crazy. Oh, they would get a soccer team, <laughs> right? <laughs> they, they're going to get curling before they get NFL. Right. <laughs> and then, well, so so on top of that, um, um, last year when the pandemic hit, so South by Southwest is every March in Austin, and that's like the biggest thing that happens. It brings like three hundred thousand people over the course of ten days. It's like a five hundred million dollar, you know, revenue to the city. It's it's massive. And when the pandemic's kind of started rolling out and everyone was kind of paying attention to I remember the news, when they canceled it finally. And it was we were watching that live. Yeah. Like my drummer and I were at our practice space and we were talking to the guys at the front desk and they had it pulled up like on the news. And we saw them announce that South by got canceled. And that was like when it clicked. When, what what time of year was people. that? What's that? What time of year was Ma- that? It was March. Oh, they it, still, so it was that early. It, it was. What time is Southwest usually? It's it's like the, the second week of March to the like third. It's 10 days. So it's like. It oh, was it's like, in March. Yeah. So it was like March 9th to the, you know. That's right. So they had to, they had to cancel like it like kind of last minute. Yeah. Because everything, that was March 13th was the Friday where they were like, Monday, everything's shutting down. Right. You can't get it this weekend. But Monday. Yeah. Um, and so, because I remember I was playing at the casino every Friday. And that was the like that was the vibe was yeah. like oh this is our last thing for a couple weeks you know what I mean and right. so I didn't realize South by was supposed to be that close to that well and no one I think a lot of people didn't believe it was going to get canceled because it's such a huge endeavor 
it's such a big production. Oh, well, it's such a big yeah. It's an, it's, its, its own massive. economy. I yeah. mean, so when they canceled it, um, my drummer at the time he actually worked at a pretty prominent venue down there um, called Barracuda Club. Actually, I'm wearing the shirt right now. I about to say you oh. are swagged <laughs> out for this. I feel I feel we're doing this audio only because of the locale, and I wanted to get it out in time to spread the news before the show. But you got your heavy anchor hat on. That's my daily. That's really uh, yeah. So you had that already? Yeah, I did. Because that is, it's in pretty good shape. Yesterday, I was actually wearing the hat and the shirt, and I didn't yeah, realize it. Yeah, those but. are the best hats with the little oh, captain's ribbon I'll thing. have this. I'll have this on uh, Saturday. The Saturday, 24th, that's July twenty like fourth at the Heavy Anchor on Gravois, right here in Bevo, with uh, Blinded by Stereo. Blinded by Stereo, Youth and <laughs> Canvas, the Homecoming Extravaganza. Right. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so well, you're t- so, so that club. So, so so my my drummer at the time, he actually worked at Barracuda Club, and. Yeah. He was kind of telling me, because he kind of knew the ins and outs of the industry, that it was like a lot of venues A lot of venues can be in the red before South By. That's just the nature of the industry. And when South By comes, they the South By followed by the summer, like the summer season, schedules, yeah. that carries them through till next March. Yeah. He's like that. Everyone It's like that. selling ice cream. It's like yeah. you're, you're really in business for He's like, everyone, everyone likes that push. It's a huge boost in revenue. Like... He's like, we're all in the red before this happens. The scene wouldn't be sustainable without it. Case in point. Yeah. So it got canceled, and ev- like, sure enough, one by one, venues like closing, like close. Well, because even close, if you plan just... to reopen, even if it's your career and you really want to re, you're, you can't be paying rent until you, it, that whole time, right? Being forced to be closed. Well, and and like I was saying before, like some of these people, these the the actual owner of the property may not even live in Austin, and so you got these these owners of these clubs that are still paying rent themselves, and a lot of these property owners. I mean, you saw all the stuff in the news where it's like some people weren't doing rent forgiveness they were like not my problem yeah like sorry like, like no, it's not yeah yeah because they're out the money too and you know luckily uh one of these owners of the clubs you know they let him out of the lease and like were a little bit more lenient on him uh thankfully but you just saw it left and right like yeah. these venues were closing and it was like hard to believe and it was because and that was the other thing too is there's no timeline it's not like hey pandemic from 2020 to 2021 march like sit tight for a year it's like no one knows and in the industry of music and booking shows that's something you have to do months in advance yeah so even if we open up now you're not going to have shows till they're not going to be full like you know what i mean especially touring things it takes months to get those things together which is why now you're seeing the big push for fall yeah it's september and you know what i mean because everyone's just like i mean we can't wait a whole year i know because the demand is so crazy you're getting these crazy offers it's why nobody can get up on the road that quick because you got to have a crew who hasn't worked in 18 months right you know what i mean yeah Uh, it's it's assuming the band's all together yeah um, well, and I mean, I know some people who've, I mean... And that's assuming everyone's vaccinated and ready to move on, which right. is, you also can't assume. Right. Well, I mean, even even just just going through an unprecedented thing like the pandemic in mm-hmm. general, like uh, personally, and even myself, like I know people who, you know, it hits people differently. And it's like, it's very hopeless when you're like, I, I want to keep writing music, I have these ideas, but then it's like, why? Yeah, I, what I, am I, I going to do with it? Yeah. Like, so, so for example, um, uh, my first drummer... Things that we're, we're on good terms. It wasn't between us. It was between our roommate. Yeah. But we he ended up having to move back to St. Paul. And this was in 2019. So yeah. I was left without a drummer. And we had already started working on our second album. So luckily, I found another drummer in Austin who was actually from here. Oh, wow. Who um, have Meant a bunch be. of mutual friends in common. My buddy, uh, AJ. And we started writing our second album. Yeah. So we wrote our second album. We went into the studio in April of 2020. So it was right after the pandemic started picking up. We didn't know how serious it was going to yeah. be. Recorded our whole second album. To this day, we haven't played a show together. Yeah. Because that was in the height of the pandemic. Haven't. It's like, how are we going to promote this? How are we going to tour? Yeah. Like, what's the point of even writing music? They're finishing it, it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so what? Like, who knows when we're going to be able to... So, a um, bunch of things happened. You know, the, the decision to move back here, it was... I was all over the. I lived in Austin. I lived back here for like four months. My my partner lived back home in Maryland for like two months. I came back and forth like just you know, I had some family emergencies, this and that and the other. It, it was absolutely sure. insane. And at one point, I think maybe my my uh, fiance Emily, I think maybe they thought like I didn't want to move back here, and I thought they didn't want to move back here. But we kind of like approached it like, hey, what if? And we were both like, why not? Yeah. Like, like I said, we were we were trying to move to Philly. Um, I really like the scene out there, especially for touring. Like, really? we got New York, Boston, Rhode Island for the whole East Coast thing. Like, tour, yeah. like I met a lot of great people out there. 
but more realistically, just we're take like, a raft down to Miami. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it would work, you know. Yeah. But we're like, it's a middle pandemic. We're trying to move to a new city. We have no connections. We we don't know anyone there. We're on unemployment. So who's gonna give us a job and a place yeah. to live? So it was this it was this whole thing. And we're like, why don't we just try move back to St. Louis? It is cheaper here. Yeah, save up some money, get a place together. Luckily, an old buddy of mine owned properties, the yeah. one we're in now. Yeah. And he gave us a good deal on it. And sure. he's like, you know, I got this place available in March if you want to move in. And we're like sold. Like, it, it all kind of worked. Like, things all kind of fell into place weirdly yeah. um, to where it came together. Um, St. Louis is a great place for the apocalypse. It is. We've and been practicing for a long time. It's a great place to to have a home base. Well, that's what I just told. I just talked to my brother-in-law into buying a house here because... Um, his family historically is not necessarily from here, but um, so he was like, "Oh, maybe I want to move to LA, or maybe I want to travel." I'm like, "You can afford to do all that and have a little place here, right? You know what I mean?" Right. And then because if you live in LA, you can't afford to go to all the other places you want to go. That's exactly because awesome you're living like. in the yeah. And so you if, if you're strapped that thin, right? You know what I mean. You need a place to. Where you can come back and your and your broken motorcycle will still be in the garage and your you know what I mean right, yeah. things like that. Well, and I, I mean, like I said before, I was paying like nine hundred bucks for a room, and yeah. here, I mean, my rent's like a third of what it was. Right, and like it, it's just pragmatically that was the best decision. Yeah, um, just a little bit of financial freedom, um, kind of let things. Co- and and that's the other thing too is like if we want to go somewhere. It'll always be there. And St. Louis will always be here. Sure. So what's the... You know, if we want to move somewhere, we can go try it out. If we like it, that's great. If not... We can come right yeah, back. You only it's, sign leases for six or twelve months. Yeah, sometimes longer. But well, like, and it wasn't. It wasn't like we'd never left St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, she was um, from Maryland. I moved out here and went to Webster, and that's where we met. Oh, cool. But since then, um, you know, there had been. She went to uh, San Jose, New Orleans, New York, like all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like we'd never left our hometowns. It's like we already did it. Yeah. We saw what it was like. Out on yeah. We saw what it yeah. was like. We gave it a shot. And that's one thing me and Joe talk about on the podcast all the time is that you got to give yourself permission to make the later decisions later. Right. You know right. what I mean? You don't have to commit to St. Louis forever to be well, here right now. And I didn't. And and I was in this incorrect mindset of once I'd moved to Austin, I was like, well, I, I never want to go back to St. Louis because that's a step back. And I don't want to. If I move from Austin, I want to go somewhere new. Yeah. But, you know, as you learn and experience things, it's like, you, you, if I move back here, I'm not stuck here forever. I can just as easily move as I did the first time. Right. And it'll be easier because I've already moved away from my hometown. Right. Like, the first time was hard, I'll admit. Like, it's scary. Like, I've lived here. But now you don't have that barrier. Yeah. Now you're like, you can always come back. It's always you can, here. Yeah, that uh, we, we've thing. got friends. Like, as soon as I came back, some of my best friends were like, you need a job. I got you on a job. Right. I got a property. Yeah. This, that, and the other. Like, whatever. So that's like the nice sense of relief. Is, yeah. Having the familiarity. Always, yeah. You know, just have a safety net just to know that, like, you have those relationships right, in place right. that, you know, if you need to borrow a van or something. Right. So I love the idea that, so this isn't just your first show with Youth, uh, Youth and Canvas back in St. Louis. It's also your first show with the drummer. With the new drummer. Yeah. Correct. So so before I moved... So, so is the new material coming out? It is. So okay. so our second album that we put out um, is out. Everything's out. It is out. Streaming. Okay, that's... Yeah, so it came out in September last year. Okay, so, that's the one. I, I didn't know if there was yeah, one since so, then. So we, well, we put it out, and um, like I said, we couldn't schedule any shows. It was just kind of out there. Yeah. Um, Which I'm also for, because it's not like... I mean, the release date is as big of a deal as... Um, once it's out, it's like no, it's it's out. You can have it immediately. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right, right. Um, so that's out there. Where I'm working on new stuff now for the third album. Um, so when I ended up moving back here, my new drummer, uh, my buddy Brad, I, I've known him for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Like we went to school together. We were in drumline together. Like, you know, uh, bros. So we did a couple things before I moved years and years ago. Like just bands we were in. We did some cover band stuff. We did, you know, we jammed together, and I, I we'd like throw ideas back and forth. Yeah. And, and I always wanted to do stuff with him because he's amazingly talented and he just, you know, he, he never got the time to do it much. He's actually had gotten married in the past year. They're expecting a child. So it's, there's a lot of things he's got going on. Um, so I came back and I made a post. I was like, hey guys, like I'm back. I've still got material cooking. I'm looking for a drummer. Someone hit me up. And, you know, luckily he got a hold of me. He's like, hey man, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll have a busy schedule in a few months because I'll have the, the kid here, but I'm down to do whatever. Like, I want to get back out there and start doing stuff. We had two practice sessions, I think, and he had everything down yeah. already. Like, he's yeah, like that's what you mentioned when I reached out to you about this. So I was, yeah. I had a different band lined up to kind of headline the show, and then they kind of, um, 
uh, fell apart, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, as bands do, and uh, and so I, I don't did I did I know you were already back? Maybe I saw. Maybe I knew you were back. Maybe I think I I met oh, you after you, I met Clay. Well, no, I'm thinking you. Um, yeah, Clay's my brother. He's been on the podcast too. <laughs> um, the um, I made that post probably about needing a band for that, and so this, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were just and you were just saying, dude, we just now figured out that we could probably do something that yeah. soon. So it was really hot off the press. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Well, and I was I, I've always just been mo- like I said, like drop up a hat. It's kind of nice to be able to do that and with, not have yeah. to check with five people. Be like, hey, yeah. can we all get off work? Can we all get together? Can we have practice before yeah, that? Even I was one like, extra person makes it that much harder. Yeah, it makes yeah. it at least thirty three percent harder. Well, and and now he my my. Uh, buddy Brad, he's been in the service industry all his life, and now he's actually um, he's uh, a paramedic. Like he's been going to EMS school and stuff. Yep. So that's even. I was like, he's on like twelve hour on call shifts and stuff like that. Yep. So I was like, if you can make this work, like let's do it. Yeah. Um, so luckily, it came together. Like I said, we have a couple jam sessions. We it's down. Like I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, so this will be our first show in St. Louis since I've been back. It'll be our my first show in general in over two years. Oh, really? Because our last tour was like spring of 2019. Then we started writing the next album. He had to move. And then you were he finishing moved back it to St. Paul yeah. in June of 2019. So I was in this limbo. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah, and then and then I found another drummer, and he learned all the songs, and we, you know, we both wrote the second album. And then after that, it's like I moved here. So it was like, so I'm, this is a third drummer. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna have three albums with three drummers. Well, no, but that's—I <laughs> mean, you know—that's the—that's the driving force. That makes sense. I mean, all for for that's gonna be a great comparison. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and 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 my—I mean, what I like about it too is like my whole thing has been like I, I know some people who in bands are like like lead guys like give direction or they have ideas for this and I just and that's great like that's cooperative whatever. And my whole thing has been like write whatever you want. I don't like that's what makes the band. Yeah. If I write something and I hear a drum beat in my head with it, but you want something different because that's either what it's, you like or what you're more comfortable with, yeah. that's what gives us our sound of two musicians. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just me telling you what that's to play. exactly what me and Chris go through. Because like I'll write a very specific drum part um, on like digitally just to kind of get, not play to a click and right. just give him an idea of what I'm thinking. Yeah. And he'll do something totally different. And my impulse may be, oh, you know, I don't. I, I have demoitis, and I want it to be the way I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right, but that's not why I play with him. I could just put it out with exactly. You the can do fake it with drums, drums on it. Right. Yeah, I mean, or, or you know, little bits here where it's like, hey, like when I come in here, like, and there's a conversation. Yeah, that's, that's the production that's aspect. Being a band and, is, you know, and he, he's always on board for it. But my, that's but there's a reason you're asking him to play drums, right? And, and so you want to celebrate, and I think that's important for for people to give themselves permission to in their own endeavors too. Is it just celebrate like? the unexpected things that they're going to bring to right. it. You know what right. I mean? That's the fun part. Well, and I'm interested. Obviously, we don't, you know, we're not like in a big public spotlight where people are like critiquing our music and stuff, but it's interesting to me because... Oh, we're going to critique it. <laughs> well, Shane, I mean, Shane had his own style of drumming and it was great. Like, he was a big White Trips fan as well um, and Black Keys and all them. So he kind of brought that to the table, which I liked. It doesn't need to be over complex. You don't need double bass pedals mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Just something that gives a beat, fill every now and then. And I liked it. I like keeping it simple. AJ, my second drummer, is also a fan. He also plays like guitar, like crazy. Um, but he listens to a lot of more, like a lot heavier metal um, stuff like that. So he's kind of got like the quick bass and the cymbals, and it, yeah. it's awesome. Like if you listen to it in the second album, you'll see what he brought right. to it. And like the breakdowns are just really heavy because yeah, that was his that's style. Fun. I think that's awesome. You ever listen to like, Royal Blood? Yeah, and and that's that's one of my. That's one of my um, comparisons, just for the the broader scope, just so yeah. more people have an idea. I, yeah. I don't think we're a lot like them, but it's but the, that's it's also the, same the thing, thing where you like, can't necessarily tell it's just two dudes, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, especially with an octave pedal, like I can drop low and play low heavy bass parts, yeah. or I can, or like on Royal Blood because he's a bassist. Yeah, he can crank it up, crank it up. Pl- for it sounds like a guitar do, part yeah, or like melodies. And, yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. And I, we are kind of like that. Like we we have like it's kind of like a heavier, bluesier kind of like. I was doing. It's uh, not retro at all. No, oh, it's, I, well, it's got a. It's got the blues edge, but it's modern. I don't want. I don't like saying blues just because I. It's so I don't loaded. want people to think like BB King or something because right. it's not. Yeah. But like the reason, the only reason I say that is because ninety nine point nine nine percent of my stuff is written in pentatonic scale. Yeah. So it sounds bluesy. You throw yeah. a blue note in there, like it's yeah. it's along those lines. But it's. I, I was gonna say I was working one day and I picked up a guy and when I was doing lift. 
And he asked to listen to it, and he said it was. He said it sounded like garage rock gut gut punched by the blues, mm-hmm. which is in our bio because I just thought That's that was great. a cool little yeah. like that was a neat way Yo, to he explain it. For was pitchfork. Like, they need yeah. they, they could use some of that magic over. Yeah, there. and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I never thought of it that way because I do like the garage rock aspect, kind of like Jack White, where it's yeah, it, it's not fine tuned, it's not polished, it's like. That's why I don't like some uh, like overly done studio recordings. It's yeah. too clear cut. It's too crisp, and I don't like that. I kind of yeah. like the raw rowdiness. Especially as a like, guitar player, because really to sit in a really in a really intricate mix with a dozen other instruments yeah. in a way that's musical and it sounds good coming out of a speaker or right. out of headphones or something, the guitar is going to have a lot of frequencies cut away. Yes. That if there's less instruments, you don't have to cut so much. Right. And it's also going to be quieter than guitar players like to be. Like, yeah. when I'm recording guitars, the first thing I do is, like, cut everything by, like, 10 dB. Yeah. Because I know that, you know what I mean, my impulse is um, uh, all the way up. And if you listen <laughs> right. to the first record I did um, all by myself, that uh, I do with my friend Lindsay and our band Too Deep, it's, it's definitely the drums are super loud, the cymbals are super loud, and the guitar riffs are super loud. It's like... Well, there's some nuance that we were yeah. missing. We were missing some nuance right. <laughs> there. But when it's just the two of you, you have more room to kind of um, play with it. You get more of that fun. Get the, you get more of the upfront of the guitar yeah, because right. there's less. You're not trying to um, also keep in in touch uh, like a feminine vocal or like right. a string part or exactly. some keyboards or something. Well, and. And that so like I always think like if you listen to like Royal Blood or something like they're good they they are definitely more like a poppy yeah. style which is fine but like that's really clean really like clear cut mm-hmm. poppy riffy tight drums and that's fine that sounds good but I I like a balance between that and just like Jack White in his living room yeah. recording a, you know for like an, their first record through an amp he built Did you know today is Bastille Day? It's the White Stripes anniversary? Uh I forgot actually. I just I just realized it on I my just, way here. Yeah. Which is so funny that we keep talking about them. But um like their first record um like there's so much bleed through between oh, the yeah. guitar and the drums but it's and great. so much reverb because of how they mic the guitar you're getting it's like you're it sounds like the heavy anchor kind of like yeah. you, your amp is so loud in that room like that Oh yeah. It's so yeah. That's an environment where if they had two other musicians on that album, that guitar tone wouldn't have made sense. Oh, not sense. at all. It not would have sounded yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, and, and another reason I like when I got inspired when I saw that guy using three amps, that just opened up a whole other thing. Because, like gave you permission to do that. Yeah, because so and, – and that's when it was one of those like how did I not see this before? And so I started setting up my pedal board to where – so I typically play out of two guitar amps and a bass amp. And I run them to all three, and I have an ABC switch pedal, so I can turn some off and turn some on. And it was like, if we have a if we have a part in a song that's like building up, I'll just play out a one amp, and then as we're going, I'll click on the second amp, and then to make it like a really big hit, I can click on that bass amp, and it's just this like boomy, huge just attack. And I started putting certain pedals that only go to the bass amp, certain distortion pedals that only go through one guitar amp, an octaver that only goes to this guitar amp, mm-hmm. so it's not like over flooded and crap. yeah. So you have three kind of separate. It, 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 it's crazy. Like it, I had just never thought that way before, um, and that just totally changed the whole way I started doing things because mm-hmm. I was like, you can you can create all kinds of dynamics and all kinds of things. Like there's a part in one of our songs where we're playing, we're playing and I just cut out the guitar amps and it's just this deep, low Mm -hmm. bass riff for a couple measures and it's all quiet. And then all of a sudden you kick everything back on and just comes back in. And it's like, there's so much you can do with just that stuff, just that. And it's with five people's worth of gear. Yeah. But just two dudes. It's, it's, it's crazy. I I really, I I like fangirl about it myself, but like, it's, it's it's great. Like, and there's a lot of guitar players that listen to the show. And so the, and so I showed you, like, I have all those amps in my basement right now and stuff that like, um, no, it's definitely, uh, um, not lost on us at all here. So, uh, where can people find uh, most of Youth and Canvas's stuff in the meantime? Yeah, we're. I mean, we're, we're on everything. We're on uh, Apple Music. We're on Spotify, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, yeah. uh, Instagram, Face. It's just our name, straight up. Um, everything's free to stream. And so, we should start with the most recent record from. It's an LP from last year. Yeah, um, Drag You Down. Um, ten songs. Eight. Eight. Okay. Eight. Yeah. Um, put that out last year. It's. I had been listening to a lot of. Uh, kind of more in the punk realm mm-hmm. um which is kind of what our third album is going to be more like uh, a little bit faster paced but yeah. a lot of idols um again more death from above yeah um turnstile frank carter yeah um, a lot of those bands it's just yeah engelbert yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just I, I, i'm just looking for more yeah like i, I don't want to like do stuff and then well, kind of tone it down fun. like it's i, I need more more like what how much you could do with 
the the same pieces. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and I also I'm not a singer. I, yeah. I'll be the first to admit I'm not. I can hit a key, yeah. but it's not going to be in tune. And I kind of realized that after the first album, where I liked the riff and I liked the music, but I that just, I couldn't really sing over that. And so what I started doing, I kind of found my niche of you know you listen to bands like Modest Mouse or something. Isaac Brock cannot sing. Right, he just yells and he's screaming. Yeah. But the the like timbre of his voice yeah. is very unique, yeah. and he, he's famous for that. Right, and you know there's a, even with punk bands who just scream, you know, just yelling whatever they want. It's like that still has an audience. That's that is a style of singing. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have this beautiful harmonious voice yeah. to be a successful singer. And so I kind of. Cut back on the self-deprecation of like you know you suck you can't do this like yeah. you, you know this this doesn't sound good and then it's like just embrace it yeah and so now so yeah I'm, just play to your strengths exactly because and I like, think that's the thing now especially is so much of your audience um, is going to be people that are um, really into loud guitars and loud drums and they're into that kind of that. you know what I mean and so <laughs> yeah. and so they're not coming to be like oh is he a perfectly classically trained vocalist on right. top of that right. the, you know that I think the grime and some of the the limitations it's going to be the um, I think that's for people that haven't heard Youth and Canvas before I think that's part of the charm of the genre kind of in general or the, or the blend of genres in general right, right. you know what I mean I've never had any problem with your vocals well, and again, I'm okay with it <laughs> it's fine I'll I mean, let it happen I'm, but yeah I've started to because I would hear a melody and I would like stress out about how I could sing that mm-hmm. and it's like you shouldn't I don't want to stress out about something I'm creating yeah. I should make it to my strengths and you know, again, you start listening to some of these punk bands who are just like off the wall, and it's like if you really dissect it, it's like he's just yelling. Like I know there's like screamo bands who like yeah. that's an actual technique. Different. I, I totally get that. Like yeah. that's I can't, I could never do that. But they're like they're replacing their um, technical precision with with the kind of passion that they're trying to right. deliver, right? And the conveying the emotion on the yeah. record. I, Idols Idols was one of the biggest bands that that really made me understand like and that's billy idol and his four brothers no oh <laughs> it's billy idol and his three brothers three no. it's just three, it's no. three of them <laughs> idols i-d-l-e-s but uh but yeah it's this it's this band from the uk and like uh joe talbot the the lead he he's got this really you know thick english accent he just you can hear it because mm-hmm. it's just it's just like raw yeah punk where he's just like half talking half yelling half screaming it's almost like the cake thing where it's kind of a it's a sing-song spoken word right like Cake, the, the vocalist from Cake has more in common with Nelly as a vocalist right. <laughs> than he probably does with you know Pavarotti or something. Right, right. You know what I mean? But but he makes it work. Yeah. And oh, it's totally. Like, and and, and like one of my as favorite a musician, bands. you know, I'm sure a lot of people do. You have these realizations listening to some of your favorite bands where it's like, wait a minute, like I could do that. Like yeah. these, you know, they're such on they're just on such a pedestal because of their success and and you like their music and you look up to them that it's it's kind of one of those like I could never be them. I could never yeah. do that. But then it's like you can just find what fits Especially your the style. the more you like, learn about all the pieces. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. you learn that oh, you don't have to be a platinum selling caliber singer on its own yeah. to you know to be that successful because it's about the whole package, yeah. right? And the whole combination of things. I mean, I use a lot of my instruments as I started off as a singer when I was a kid and then I, I use a lot of my instruments to kind of make up for um, that parts of the composition that if, if I was a masterful singer I would just be Bobby McFerrin and right. I, I wouldn't need all these guitar pedals so <laughs> I love Bobby McFerrin so um, but I wouldn't need all the guitar pedals and right. the, and keyboards and, and stuff like that because I, right. I could just do it with my voice but what I mean yeah. he's done that already I well, like I like hitting buttons and that's one of well, like I said before like I, I like riff heavy I like riffs, because that's what's catchy to me. Chords are fine, chords are great, but I don't want to just play some some standard four-chord, you know, punk song where I'm just trying to sing or yell over it. Right. I, I, in, in that same vein, I'm also trying to find something else to compensate yeah. that people will enjoy listening to it, grooving to it, something yeah. that'll get stuck in your head. That's the thing, because you can't just do one of the things. Right. You can have a really great message, yeah. but if it's in a package that's... N- not as compelling. Yeah. It's, it's only going to be as good as the package right. it's in. Well, and again, with like Death From Above, like all their stuff's riff, like yeah. riffy, riff heavy. And like, that's another one of those things that got me, you know, enthralled with them. It's like, this is this dude just shredding on the bass. And when you're doing the riff thing, the two piece thing is easier. It's, cause yeah. Because not just with the multiple amps and octave pedals and whatnot, but also that, you know, you're not trying to, it's either chords or solos. Right. You know what I mean? It's, 
the the riff is the composition, and it's it's that's what's captivating and driving right. people through it, even though it doesn't have a complex harmonic structure yeah. underneath it. Well, one of the bonuses of just being two people too is like just to mix it up. Like I have like um like a what's it called it's it's a it's the it's the wh- it's a whammy pedal. I don't think it's the ricochet, but it's one of them. But it's just a drop tune. So you mm-hmm. could drop it in different, you know, whatever. The so drop. it's like, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's just called that. But um, I, I use that to put songs in different keys just to mix it up. And I'm like, I played a whole song one time in a completely wrong key. But yeah, I was I've like, done that. doesn't matter, though, because I, I don't well, have anyone else. Because you're not messing anybody else up. I don't up. have anyone else to play that, with. Because like, it happens when I'm doing cover stuff all the time where it's like, oh, I started this a fourth up. Then right. So now everyone, <laughs> we have to catch up. Right. Whereas, yeah, if it's just you and a drummer, then it's... Or I've left a capo on before. Sure. When it was just me and a drummer, and be right. like, "Oh, so now this riff is this is what it is completely different, right? Because I'm playing open three five, but now it's now it's that's an <laughs> F instead of an E, right? Um, yeah, well, absolutely. There, I mean, there were times too when I I wrote a song, and like you writing, you kind of hear the melody in your head or kind of what you want to sing. And I would, I, we would practice it, and there was one where the note was just out of reach. Like if I strained, I could hit it yeah. just barely. And I, and I always dreaded that coming up, and sometimes I'd miss it and whatever. And before we actually recorded it, I was like, wait a minute. I can just change this. Yeah. So we went into the studio. I dropped it two half steps, yeah. and I hit it no problem. Yeah. I was like, I can do that whenever I want. Yeah, like, I, I, just, I have the authority. Yeah, it, it was great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, a lot of those bands that, that I listen to, it's just they, they just make it so... They just make it seem so possible and so like that's doable. the goal. And it's one of my favorite things too is like when you look at these celebrities, we I call mean, it making it sound expensive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's part of their job. Yeah, but like you see these celebrities and these bands that you look up to, and it, everyone thinks that like, like oh man, they're so they're they're a genius, they're so smart, they do this, that, and the other. And one of my favorite things is like just watching interviews, and half the time these bands are like. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Or like one of my favorite bands is Pup. And um Or listening to the isolated tracks. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like if you listen to like a David Lee Roth isolated vocal track, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, that's not a classic rock icon, god level vocal right. He's on its own. He's a dude. He's like, a dweeb. <laughs> He's you know what I mean? He's yeah. a crazy old man screaming. Right. <laughs> but it's fun when you put the guitars over it, and you got the drums and the reverb, right. you know what I mean? Well, and this band Pup, they had this song called uh, Lionheart on their first album, which I really like. And I was at one of their shows once, and they were. He said, "He's like, hey guys, like I'm gonna be honest, like we weren't even gonna play this because we hate it." And he goes, "I don't even know what this song's about. Like it's just made up gibberish. It's yeah. just words." And like that, like blew my mind, like in that moment because it, it, it's it also humanizes them when it's yeah. like they're just dudes. Yeah, they're good. They they've done what they needed to do to gain the success, and they've earned it to, to get the people in the door. Right. And yeah. So now that we know we're in a safe place, we can be a little more vulnerable right. and let you in on something. But at the same time, it's like he he's like, yeah, I, I just threw some words together. He's like, it doesn't mean anything to me. That's like, how. Um, that's what like Chris Cornell always said about um, Black Hole Sun. He's like, I didn't know that people were gonna like that song. It wasn't yeah. about anything. Yeah. I just those are fun things to or, say. Uh, Kings of Leon with like Sex on Fire. Yeah. Like I've been a huge Kings of Leon fan for years, and we're actually covering one of their songs, July twenty fourth. July twenty fourth at the Heavy Anchor. <laughs> Blinded by Stereo, Blinded by Stereo Youth and Canvas, songs. The Homecoming, <laughs> July twenty fourth. But uh, but like they did an interview about Sex on Fire or something. He's like, I don't know. He goes, it just sounded stupid. It sounded great. It just sounded silly. Like you're asking like, it just, me about it. He's it like, it just good. came out. He's like, I don't know what it means. Like, and it's crazy that like once you gain that following, you can just not do whatever you take want, a but you can kind of take do a chance. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, as long as you earn and keep you that respect from your fans. If you do fans, it confidently, right. you know what I mean? That's like, what it is. If you ever listen to something really silly, like one of my favorite songs, um, which may be on Jacob V's favorite songs for July 2021 uh, on Spotify, is nice. uh, If You Must by Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I have not It's heard that such one. a groovy, like underground hip hop track kind of sound, but it's goofy. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's that thing of like if you didn't speak English, it would just be like, oh, this is a jam. <laughs> but speaking English, it's like he's talking about you got to brush your teeth, what? right? Well, like, and I actually heard it was funny because I actually heard uh, an interview with him, and they were talking about obviously he's on the Gorillas track, and apparently someone else had had recorded his verse like a verse instead of him, or they were going to. Yeah. But they like went with him last minute. Yeah. And he was just. He's like, all right, well, here it is, whatever. He didn't think anything would come from it, and yeah. he like didn't even know how much of a hit it was well, until or, someone came to him and they were like, because it didn't like, say featuring, all yeah, that. you know what I mean. And, and he like he, he was surprised by like, how big that was, and he's like, I just went in and rapped, like I just did what I did. But it's it's like uh, just little things like that, like it's 
when, when like these superstars are like humanized, it's yeah. it's it's refreshing. As like cliche as that sounds, but yeah. it's like you you build in your head that they're rock stars. Like you know they get taken care of. They, they they're geniuses. They got this. They're they're these virtuosos and stuff. And then it's like I see them just talking to a person, and they're like, oh yeah, I accidentally came up with that. Riff. Yeah, we like, didn't even. Just, or like Ball and Biscuit, one of my favorite songs of all time. I play it all the time when I play. You know with cover stuff or whatever um they threw it together in studio like yeah that. you know what i mean it's yeah, like maybe it's... my favorite song on that record and that was a huge album for them yeah. and to think about um like uh you know they didn't have they didn't even plan on that being right. on that record you know what well, I mean? and it's and another thing too is like you have to think like if, you, if you're self-conscious or you're overthinking what you're doing on stage and this that and the other if you just think well what do you think when you're in the audience if I'm watching him, I'm into it. Like yeah. I'm not like dissect. Oh, he messed yeah. up that. No, he because even if someone like plays a wrong note, right. you could be thinking, "Oh, I wonder if he did that on purpose." Yeah, because you have them on this such a high pedestal that you're like, "That was innovative" or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, or just- if they're doing something that you really respect, even if it's not an artist that you know a lot about, if yeah. it's somebody who's like, "Oh, that guy's really cool. He's got a cool guitar. Yeah, I love the sound. Yeah, they're confident." I mean. Um, you're probably a better performer than most of the people in the room, right? If exactly. you're if you're the one that's on stage right then, right? So, um, and I think that's the thing too. And I think one thing that's important that we keep alluding to that a lot of the bands we got into when we were first starting out, it sounds mm-hmm. like similarly, um, it was that they were illuminating that immediately that oh, normal people who are still learning their instruments can right. do that, right? You know what I mean? Right. You can have, um, you know, you can have a song and then teach your ex-wife to play drums and then right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then sister or whatever <laughs> no. you want it to be none of my business and um that you can make a record that's so immortal and sort of uh captivating and also but the pieces themselves are not that fancy right well and it's then- like a it's like cooking i mean it's like um, if, I, if I just threw a raw chicken at you, you'd be like, "Oh, salmonella poisoning." But if I if I threw you a bucket of fried chicken, yeah, you know what I mean I'm about it. Yeah, and fried chicken is a great example because well, <laughs> on its because you wouldn't eat any of the components by themselves, right? Well, and and one of the whole big things with the white stripes for the past 20, 25 years is like. I, a lot of people like to like dog on Meg and stuff. Mm. It's like, yeah, but she sold she, more records than you, but, bro. But she did it. Yeah, like she hasn't. She, you know, as far as I know, she hasn't been doing anything the past. Well, but she, and she's not acting like she's Neil Peart or something. But she wanted to. Like, yeah. she she did her run, and she's like, yeah. I'm just gonna sit. Like, I did what I wanted to do. Yeah, she's collecting royalties. She's doing fine. Yeah, and everyone's fine. like, oh, every it's time, just this every and time this. they play that song at a soccer game that's or like, something, then you do yeah. it. Then yeah. you do it. Like, yeah, go do it better. And, and that's a great example when people are like, oh, she she just did this. Anyone can do it. It's like then. That that should that should inspire you. That should inspire you because that you can absolutely do it. Yeah, and well, you can actually do a groove where you can do like some of this. You know yeah, what I mean? Just, yeah, just do it. Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I like a lot of. I just like those moments where like people are humanized, making and, it accessible. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. That's it, and, and it makes it even more interesting. Oh well, and then you have obviously you have artists like you know like you have the Neil Perts or even like well, that's thing. Like, but the other guy Barry for me Rich is Prince. Like I'm a like, huge Prince fan. Oh, dude. But Prince we, is just we have this Prince live set list a live um playlist on spotify we play here in the store sometimes that like you can tell that when he's feeling it he's going for a solo he's not not every bend is great yeah not every um not every little guitar thing is perfect because it's all about the the emotion and yeah. most of it's really great yeah. but some <laughs> but like and jimmy page would do this too you listen to led zeppelin live he's the king of the over bend yeah like when he's bending up he'll way overdo it probably because all the cocaine <laughs> but like um that part of the thing is that oh you know what it's imperfect but like and jazz is popular for this yeah but taking that to the, applying this to the electric guitar thing but like uh the imperfections and, and the things that are goofy and quirky that's why it's Cool, and that's why you're not just listening to like, like, that like Dragon like, Force is the total opposite because right. it's like super precise, like same with like like same with like Royal Blood and stuff. They're, they're great musicians, but it's so clean, but it's so clean, it's so clean. Yeah. That's just a different thing. I always, I always likened like when you go in a studio, it's like when you like look at your like skin or something under fluorescent light, like yeah. it's too fine tuned. I don't want to see that much. Detail. It's like when you like, hear I your I voice recorded be... versus how you hear it in your head, or it's like how you look in photos, like. Versus how you feel like you look in the mirror, right, right, or and and that's why I've always liked too, like, and I'm sure a lot of people might feel this way, but like when I hear our album, like I listen to it from time to You're time. You're hearing things not everyone's hearing. Yeah, and and I like it, but at the same time, it's just like our live show is so much more energy than this, which is for everyone. That's just how that's the nature of it. Yeah. But I'm like, I I 
I can't convey on a recorded album. Like I really want to do a live album. Yeah. Because I think that's what's I, gonna. We did one at the heavy end. I would love to do one yeah. because I feel I feel like we just have so much more to offer live. Because you you know you get into it, you're moving around on stage, you're sweating, you're yeah. you're screaming, you're whatever, and it's so, it's such a whole different animal that it's like listening to just on an album is not gonna. It's not the same thing. Yeah. It's just awesome. not gonna be. Give me just one second. Me? Oh, my beat. Yeah. Heard. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be right on it, but, uh... I was a little bit further back from it. Yeah, I was just checking. Sweet. Check, check, check. All right. Yeah. Press it. Yeah, yeah. No, you've been fine. I just had to pee and I didn't want to cut it short. Just That's all good. Pee. I'm chilling. Because <clears throat> it's not live. We can clip that yeah. part out. That's a great point you were making about... We're still rolling? That's a great point you were making about um, wanting to do a live record. Me and Joe were just talking about this today that like... I recorded my birthday show in 2019 at the Heavy Anchor just because I record all my sets. But um, the... Is that the same place we're playing on July 24th? It, actually, the heavy anchor, the same heavy anchor on Gravois <laughs> that you can see Youth and Canvas next week, July 24th, at the heavy anchor <laughs> with Blinded with by Stereo. <laughs> and uh, um, then like that at that show, my uh, computer got stolen, and oh, then um, uh, I had a job transition and, and stuff, so I wasn't going to get new material out in time, so I had this recording of the show I was like what if I mastered it and like put it out as a live record and it's actually some of my most popular stuff now streaming and so how did you do that because we've we had done a couple live recordings in Austin just to just to dip our toes into it and yeah. like some sound guys like let us plug right into the soundboard and we could get a like a mix kind of roughly from that or I have I have one of those like h6 Handy recorders that are like really good. Yeah, that's quality, most like, of the audio I ended up using. Yeah, I didn't know like because I've been kind of playing with the idea. I just didn't know like if you've had experience in it or how y'all went about it. Or, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of those that, Zoom but... Q2N cameras okay. with the with the basically the same recording audio device. It's got a gain right. trim on it, so it's you know you can do the high volume mm -hmm. audio, and um, that was most of the audio I used in that. Okay. Was, I think I had a side chain of the kick drum or something to for some bass, but right. like. Um, no, we didn't multi-track the whole thing. That would have been wow. more work. Yeah, but, been um, crazy. But it, and it definitely sounds that way. But it's still, I mean, it's just a uh, because it's it just worked out to where we could um, put it out as a and because it's streaming, I wouldn't press it on vinyl. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. Um, but and, and it's just it, to me, like I, if we took one of our albums front to back and just played that live and record, like if bands did that, yeah, I wouldn't even care because it's it's a whole different like experience yeah for sure and yeah. it's like like and i mean again even jack white has said stuff like this where he's like if you want to you know if you want to hear the album listen to the album like that's not why i'm here to do yeah. this in the shows and there's little different nuances you might mess up you might yeah. improvise and there's stuff on our live album that hasn't been put out in other ways because things when you're gigging live regularly like we were doing before the, the pandemic you would um you know, start folding the new stuff in yeah. before it's published, right? right? Exactly. And Which so, and then got with some new ones, COVID too. and everything. Yeah. So we have a couple songs that I was trying to hope to have out by now, but we're doing a Patreon launch um, July twenty third at the also at the Heavy Anchor. Um, that uh, we're kind of more focusing on that, but it's like, um, yeah. So there's things that you you know get into. It's I saw Queens of the Stone Age one time, and they were touring on the reissue of their first Never album. Got to see them live. And oh, really good. Really we got engaged at a Queens of the Stone Age show. That's awesome. At, uh, at the Peabody Opera House at wow. the time. And 
um, they played their whole first record front to back, and then they took their break, and then they came back and did the hits for the encore, like wow. the other hits. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I was like, oh, that's perfect, because you get this whole, like, because a record is kind of a concept, and it's a whole piece. It's got ups and downs. Right. You know, and, and the White Stripes just released um, for uh, White Blood Cells, the 20th anniversary of their third record. Mm-hmm. Um like a live performance where they played the whole thing front to back. And right. some of those songs from that record, they had never really played live. I, Not to go off on a thing, but like Jack White is something else because White Stripes was decades ago and he's still releasing like unreleased. He's like, he recorded how, how everything. You, how did you oh. think to record this set in 1999? He was just like, he was just hoarding things. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. And they're like never before heard in 2001 in Japan. I'm yeah. like, what? Like, Why do you have that? And he's like a, this triple vinyl with never before seen photos of yeah. us on tour. I'm like, yeah. how do you? Where like do you he, keep it all? Yeah, or just because it was just, so long ago, or and there's just so much of it. Had that foresight and knew yeah. he was going to put the work in. Well, because that, that was interesting too. Because there were things day. like Dead Leaves was on that record, and that's one of his best songs. And oh he, yeah, he always plays it even on his solo tours and stuff. And uh, but that song has been around since the beginning of that band, but it didn't yeah. come out until like their third record. Because yeah, something about he was just planning on no, let's hold on. Yeah, let's like because it. You can tell there's demos of it included that the lyrics weren't done right, and things like that. Um, but that's the thing. It's like uh, we're kind of in this thing with our Patreon that we're that we're launching July twenty third at the Heavy Anchor. <laughs> that um, uh, there's stuff that I'm like I'm not gonna you know we have old demos that I want people to have access to, right. but I'm not gonna do a record store day release with a double vinyl that's gonna be fifty dollars because that's just not where my fan base is right. necessarily to where I, I'd end up with anything other than a garage full of those. Yeah. So <laughs> right. you know trying to give it to them on a digital platform where. Um, but it's like, yeah, there's the polish, you know, there's the singles, there's the songs that you really promote that sound really great, and then there's everything else that goes along with it that's right. still valuable and enjoyable. Right. It's just um, if you allow it that space to exist in a slightly different way. But yeah, I'm, I've been terrible with that because I'm, I'm probably more like you. It's like, okay, so this song will go on the next record. This song will go on that record. We got a new one. That'll go on this record. Mm-hmm. As opposed to some people do dozens of pieces and then pick the best from it. Right. I don't tend to have that patience. No, not at all. Well, and this was another really interesting thing too, that maybe not a lot of people might not think about, but like, uh, you know, say there's a well-known band and they're putting out records and they put out a new album and then they get the reviews and people are like, well, it's a little bit more poppy. It's a little bit more this, this. Then they did an interview. I forget who it was. I want to. I forget who it was. I don't want to, I don't want to misquote them, but it was a band and the guy was saying, they play music. Yeah. Right. He, he was saying, it's interesting, he goes, I wrote half of these songs 10 years ago. Right. And it's interesting because when you release it on a new album, people think these are these were all written after the last album. Yeah. And this is the direction they're going in. And he's like, that's not the case at all. Yeah. He's like, we Frankensteined a bunch of these ideas and that made our new album. Yeah. And, and even myself, I'd never thought about that before because it's just chronologically, you think that's how it goes. Oh, they wrote an album, now they wrote these ones and put it on an album. But he's like, six of these 15 songs, he's like, I've had in my back pocket since 2010. Yeah. And it's interesting because you hear them as a whole with the new ones, and it's, just because it's a new album doesn't mean it's all new songs. Yeah. And it's, I just don't think people think that happens a lot, is because, you know, there's these singers who have, there was some statistic where it was like Rivers Cuomo had like 800 unreleased songs. Yeah. And it's, he just started throwing them away or releasing them and it's like dude these are 15 years old yeah. and everyone's like his new sound sucks and it's like uh, it's not actually, as new it's not as new sound, was on the cutting room floor 20 years ago right yeah yeah and it, that's just really interesting that's sort of my and the opposite end of that is like the the prince thing um with his estate releasing so much unreleased stuff yeah some of that i get nervous about because as such a prince fan and really trying to understand like his intentions as an artist it makes me kind of nervous yeah that there's stuff that he didn't put out and that he didn't necessarily plan to release at this time, but you're right. releasing it at this time now that he's gone. And right. so it's like, he can't did, say he, anything about it. <laughs> did he think that was good enough? Why did you he know release what I mean? it? What? And, then, right. and they're having people that really worked with him closely. Like, uh, I think Morris Hayes is his music director, who's a keyboard guy, yeah. um, who uh, is working on a lot of this stuff. So he knows what it's supposed to sound like. Right. It's just like, you know, it's he would have given it to us. If he thought it was ready, right? Well, maybe, and, and maybe. Hopefully, I would assume that he, whoever, whoever gets past that responsibility, is someone that Prince would trust and respect their vision. And and that's the part that understand him. That's well what enough. makes me really nervous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is because uh, I hope that that's the the case. Um, uh, that's so funny. So 
let's wrap this up because I gotta yeah. um I gotta let you uh do your thing and I wanna get this up for the people. But uh Youth in Canvas Y O U T H ampersand C A N V A S. It's a funny bit. A little fun fact. Uh so the name is actually from a poem that Jack White wrote that's on the inside of the elephant book. So I didn't even know we were going to talk about all this. We're not going to talk about all this. I know, no, but it's, it's just funny. I didn't know that. I was going to ask where the name came from, but you know how people are. You I, get asked that all the time. I always have this fantasy that I would just make up a new reason every time someone asks well, me. Well, that's but. like with this. I have this um, uh, this waveform tattooed on my arm. Oh, that's blank check. And that's- I always tell people it's Baby Got Back. <laughs> Uh, and my um, my aunt has um, something in Chinese on her mm-hmm. lower back. She always tells people it says sweet and sour pork. <laughs> so, um, yeah, why not? Youth in Canvas, right. July 24th at the Heavy Anchor. That whole weekend at the Heavy Anchor is going to be crazy. Uh, we're celebrating the Jacob V. Weekly Patreon launch on July 23rd. That's the Friday night with my trio. We'll be playing with the Saturday Brothers. The next night, my new band, Blinded by Stereo, July 24th at the Heavy Anchor with Youth and Canvas, the homecoming extravaganza. Cash, thank you so much for coming yeah, to see I me. Having me. I'm so excited this to see great. you, and um, I can't wait to see all of our amps on stage I in know, one right? place. It's it's going to be a good time. I've been I've been itching to get back on stage, so we're putting a lot of energy um, into it, and it's 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 going to be really good. It's and then be loud um, and fast, and it's going to be exciting. So yeah, once we're not cramming for a gig, you guys will have to come do a musical guest spot for the podcast. We were doing yeah, those absolutely um, for a little bit. It's been slow with COVID and then all the editing and whatnot. But I'm doing. Um, I think Jacob V and the Yes Men are streaming our practice on Sunday from um, the Beat Lab, and so I think I'm going to leave all that stuff set up, and we're going to have musical guests come back through. So um, yeah, that would be Sweet. super easy We'd with the two to. of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. and then yeah, we do those in. For YouTube and stuff, and then I, I multi-track the audio separately, so we try to make it awesome. look and sound as good as possible. Yeah, so, man. yeah, Cash, thanks Let so much know. again. Thanks so you. happy to see you. And uh, again, find us next week at the Heavy Anchor and online Jacob V Weekly Youth and Canvas out.